So, what is a map? And if you take a geographer off the street, I'm sure the first thing they'd say to you is, is well, why don't you know what a map is? It's 2018. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, what they would actually say is, a map is a representation of a portion of the Earth's surface. Now, this can be anything from a simple sketch on a napkin in a bar to a complex satellite image of the Earth's surface, like in Google Maps. Now, with this broad definition, I would venture to say that a map is more than just this representation of the Earth's surface. A map is a collection of stories. And what I mean by that is that a map is more than just the image of the place. A map is the stories of the people who drew the map. A map is the stories of the people who used the map. The stories of all those people together and the fact that they were so connected to a place that they felt the need to take a piece of it with them wherever they went. That is what a map is. Molly Brown is a visual artist, map maker, and geographer. She has a degree in art history from Middlebury College, as well as a PhD in human geography from the University of Colorado at Boulder. Molly has worked in environmental and art education for organizations, universities, and schools across the country. Her current projects involve map making with children, conveying climate change through landscape painting, and custom maps for place-based organizations. Molly is also the founder of the project called Molly Maps. The goal of Molly Maps is to help communities, organizations, and individuals illustrate the unique values of place through the beauty of hand-drawn maps. One of the most important aspects of Molly's work are her educational programs. Molly travels all over New England teaching watercolor workshops where participants are able to design and create their own depictions of places that have great significance to them. I recently attended one of these workshops where I got to see firsthand just how powerful of emotions that these maps can evoke, as well as speak with Molly about her work. So you've been doing this for a while now. Have you ever noticed uh, directly after a workshop a way that people feel about their, their environment? Like how, from your experience, how have it changed people's views of your maps? Um, well, I'd say some of the things that I would directly experience when it's done is certainly uh, at the very end when everyone's gone through the same process there's definitely a this mutual appreciation for for not just the place that they made but the art the the, the attempt you know the artistic attempt to, to do it and and they're sort of one and the same so sort of for a moment you know, a person and their artwork is sort of representing this sort of more holistic sense of who that person is and this little piece of paper that they just did about this place. And, you know, so for a moment when you're looking at those, their identity is sort of bound to this little piece of art that they've made and the place. So it all kind of links together. Now, the art and science of map making, more commonly known as cartography, has been around since the dawn of humanity. Now, the story of cartography is the story of our great human endeavor. It is the story of people, us as a species, trying to find a greater understanding of the world we live in and our place in it. 
It is the story of people across time and space acquiring and leaving knowledge and their image of the world they lived in for those that came after them. So the story of mapping begins with ancient humans depicting places of great significance to them on the walls of their caves. Now these humans painted images of great places to hunt or forage or places of spiritual significance to them. And this tradition of depicting places of great significance in maps continued through the dawn of human civilization. Now, a great example of this comes from 6200 BCE in the ancient Babylonian city of Katalhoyuk. Now, I'm 90% sure I just butchered that name. But anyway, the city of Katalhoyuk uh, is in modern-day Turkey, and it has what is considered one of the world's oldest maps of a city. Now the map is super simple, it's just a carving into a clay wall that depicts the layout of the city and where all the buildings are positioned. A lot of people are familiar with Google Maps, uh, how is this different? Well, the authorship I think really is the different thing, and it's the ability of claiming your own geographic knowledge as true. You know, we sort of in the in the workshop we're sort of pretending as as if you could pretend like you're the map maker and, and what you're doing is real and sort of um but but that that pretending is actually very true when you get really down to it of when you need maps for personal orientation in the world a map that you make yourself is the most useful in a lot of ways um if it has that sense for you of being real and showing the places that are real to you. Following the Babylonians, the Greeks expanded the ideas of maps and map making and are actually credited with being the founders of early geography. But the Greek depiction of Earth lacked scope due mainly to the obvious technological limits and the limits on the knowledge available to them at the time. Along with the Greeks, the Roman, Chinese, Mongol, Persian and Islamic empires all had a deep tradition of map making. All of the maps being made from these empires, however, were regional and focused primarily on the cities and villages within the empires. You've been to a lot of places in New England. Where would you like to take your maps next? Uh, where do you think would be an area or a group of people or community that could benefit from your workshop or just from having the opportunity to interact with your maps? Hmm. Um, well, you know, I'd love to take it to, um, you know, all over the place. One thing that comes to mind is some of the, um, the mapping that has been done like in Canada with some of the First Nations, for instance. Like I know, uh, met some of the people that have worked hard to do some of the very uh, realistic and precise and technical, um, basically like use mapping of claiming where they've where they've hunted for like for generations and to actually make the legal claim that it is theirs and the use they do. Mm -hmm. It would be amazing to do this same process with some of the um, Native American groups and First Nations um, because it, it would just be fascinating to get some of the places that they, that they care about. In the Renaissance, with the renewed interest in the classical Greco-Roman works, maps begin the process of becoming more detailed. This 
along with the discovery of the Americas by Europeans and the subsequent effort to control and divide those lands, revived interest in the scientific methods of mapping. During the Age of Exploration, the great European powers, the Spanish, the Italian, the Portuguese, and the Dutch, amassed vast amounts of knowledge about the way the Earth works. From this time period, the first world maps that somewhat resemble the maps we know today emerged. Now, as the world began to enter the modern age, maps started to become more accurate and more detailed. Now, since the middle of the 20th century, humanity has been taking photographs of the Earth from both planes and from satellites that were launched into orbit. This is a process known as remote sensing. This photography of the Earth, which was highly detailed, was used to make highly detailed maps of Earth's surface, and this is actually the same way that maps are made today. Most of your maps are environmental-based and mm -hmm. nature-based and tie people to natural scapes. Um, is there a way that that can also be translated to more urban and built environments? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yes, and I think that's a whole other subject that I hadn't touched on yet, but I've thought about that a lot, and especially with like working with kids in, in, um, in some slightly more dense cities that are in New England, but certainly, you know, even, you know, right, more dense places of being able to just sort of claim your sense mm -hmm. of what's knowing, of knowing what's around you and what's important to you. And that, it, you know, by making a map of it, you're legitimizing it and bringing it forth as an important environment, you know, for, for you. So whether it be city blocks or, um, you know, the places that, that, that people can claim that they know um, has a lot more yeah. value than we think. Now, what kind of maps are there today in 2018? Now, there are basically two types of maps. There are general reference maps, which depict the physical features of an area, and there are thematic maps, which depict specific sets of data. Now, we'll start with general reference maps. These are the maps that you'd expect to see in a textbook or hanging up in a classroom at school. Uh, some good examples of these would be a topographic map, which utilizes contour lines to show changes in the physical landscape of an area. You would see a map like this depicting elevation changes, like if you were going hiking or using an app or a service such as All Trails. Uh, these are commonly used for geologic surveys. Uh, there are political maps, which are simpler maps that depict the man-made borders between nations and states. Uh, and then there are physical maps, which are very much like topographic maps, but instead of utilizing contour lines, it utilizes different colors to depict the physical changes. So think blue for lakes, oceans, and rivers, green for land, uh, and hues of red, orange, and brown for changes in the elevations for stuff like mountains. So those are the basic types of general reference maps. The other type of map uh, is a thematic map, and thematic maps, again, show various types of data geographically. Now, you're going to see these maps more often in the media and on the internet. These maps show stuff like differences in population, uh, housing rates. Uh, they typically show census data. These maps can depict something like rainfall differences between California and New York. Uh, and a common use for these types of maps today is in politics. As an example, 
uh, a thematic map would show the difference in the amount of support for a political party in all of the counties across the United States. And thematic maps have grown in popularity with the rise of GIS. Now, GIS, or Geographic Information Systems, is a set of computer tools that allows people to work with spatial data. Now, that sounds a bit complex. It, I promise it's not. Simply put, a GIS program allows a professional to create a map with astounding accuracy at an astounding pace. So you can make maps faster and more detailed than ever before. And with the rise of GIS, we have seen a leap in the amount and quality of maps being made of the Earth. A great example of this is from Google Maps. Now, we all expect to be able to just go on our phones and open Google Maps and have these incredibly detailed images of Earth, so detailed that we can zoom in and see people and cars driving around streets and we can see our houses from space, essentially. And Google Maps utilizes the aerial photography and the remote sensing to construct these highly detailed maps of Earth. And like I said, we live in an age where we all are expecting to be able to see these high-quality images right from our phones. And I'd argue that this rapid access to maps has led to a disconnect between people, the maps, and the places that these maps represent. There's a lack of emotion in regards to maps. Think about what a map looks like to you. The feeling you get when you look at a map. Any kind of map. We all have this common idea in our minds of what a map should look like, what it should do, how is it useful to us. In 2018, we're constantly having maps thrown at us, be it through the media, through the internet, or just from the GPS we use in our car. And these maps have more detail and more data than ever before. But in a small, stuffy room in Plattsburgh, there's a woman who's trying to show the world that maps can somehow be more and less than what we currently know. Your maps, at least from my experience from the workshop and from just checking out your website, they really have a lot of emotional elements to them and not even knowing the stories behind them, you can just, just by looking at them, um, and I'm sure most people would agree that like an artistic form like this uh, just incorporates so much emotion to it. Um, how do you think that your maps, what kind of a conversation do you want to have started? You know, I want the conversation to people to be reminded how much they feel like they belong to particular places or particular places belong to them in a way of sort of sense of stewardship, right? Like you can't just ignore this place that, you know, your old, you know, your your grandparents camp or something and it comes back to you and you realize how much that 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 landscape meant to you and that we have a way in this country of sort of forgetting or not really claiming that's a that's a place for you to then take care of and sort of a rights of stewardship based on your experiences of it your love of it um, and so I think that's kind of what I hope happens is with, through even these small little strings of attachment to small places people do feel more linked to the earth in whatever small ways through a small bay or a small stream or even you know 
a city street, but they do feel like they have some, you know, emotional ownership of the real world. Just our final thing. How would you define a map? Mm. <laughs> a simple. Yes, simple. Um, it's funny because I ask my third graders this all the time. Um, I mean, a map is a a uh, a representation of spatial relationships, right? If you want to be broad about it, um, so that's what it is. It's it's something that that orients orientates you to the structure of the way things are laid out, and you know they tend to in map for map terms tend to be about like land and place but not always but they you know that's what they tend to be about <laughs> perfect uh thank you for talking with me So the first place I tried to sketch is my uh, dad's house where Marie and I grew up, which overlooks Plattsburgh Bay. And when we were kids, um, dad would make model airplanes and we'd fly them on the lake. And I remember learning to count with the railroad track. Well, actually, a little smokestack here <laughs> and um, near the docks. And then uh, 10 years ago, I moved to the other side of, of uh, Plattsburgh Bay on Cumberland Head. And I can see the buildings around my dad's house. And it's so nice to have that connection hmm. that I can see my dad's house. And also to see how many people are really enjoying the lake.